Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Hey, if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Revelation chapter 2. We'll be looking at verse 4 and 5. And then in just a few moments, we'll look at Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 39. These are two main texts today that we'll be looking at. And as you turn into Revelation chapter 2 or or jotting this scripture down, again, this sermon is about making room for God's love. And the book of Revelation, I'll give you some context here. Uh, John, the apostle, is is writing this book. And at the beginning of it in chapter 1, Jesus appears to John in a vision. And John sees Jesus, and he's trying to capture down just the magnitude of how great and amazing and awesome Jesus is. And then in chapter 2 and chapter 3, something unique happens. Uh, Jesus says, I want you, John, to write to the seven churches in Asia Minor, and I want you to send it on my behalf to them. So John starts to write down these letters, like the church in Ephesus, which we'll be looking at today, Laodicea, Smyrna, all these different churches. Jesus is speaking to them. And so he's writing on behalf of Jesus. And the normal pattern, just so you know, in these, in these scriptures, if you go back and read chapter 2 and 3, is that Jesus will address the church, and then he'll give them like uh, an encouragement, like, way to go, you're doing good here. And then Jesus would like change it on them and give them some correction. How many of you have been serving God a little while and you say, yep, that's about right, that he will correct you uh, to redirect you. I'm already got the spirit of Haman on me. Um, but, but Jesus <laughs> didn't plan that, but it's just boom, been around him so long. The rhyming is, is wearing off. So Revelation chapter two, verse four and five says this. Okay, so these are some heavy words. It's going to prepare you. This is heavy. But this is the words of Jesus. He says, nevertheless, I have this against you, oh man, that you have left your first love. You've lost that love and feeling, everybody. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Now watch, there's two words I want us to highlight. Repent and do the first works. The first thing he says in verse five, remember, and then he says, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Let me read it one more time. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Jesus talking to the church in Ephesus. You've left your first love. That's him. Remember, therefore, remember where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, Ephesus was the most influential and successful church in the first century. So you, you got to understand this. As Jesus is writing to them, he told them he, they've done some good things, but then he kind of throws them this curve and said, but, but you've lost sight of me. And, and here they are, and they're evangelizing, and people are getting saved. They're doing outreaches, and, and people are coming to see Jesus. There's signs and wonders and miracles and all these amazing things taking place. They're planning churches. They're raising up leaders. They're sending people out. They are, they're, they're moving. They're, they're making a difference. And somehow, in all of their doing, in all of their stuff that they're involved in, and there's good things, somehow they started to stray away from their first love. And this is what's alarming for me. When I read texts like this, I'm not like, Psh, what's up with Ephesus? 
What's up with those people? When I read that, I think, man, if it can happen to a first century church that was enduring persecution, and I'm not talking about somebody capping you on Facebook. I'm talking about they're trying to take you out, take your face out. And, and that if they can lose sight of their first love, then I can lose sight of my first love. Anybody pr- help me preach in here today? And, and man, I know this is kind of in your face, but man, we need it in your face. We need some conviction in the house of God. And, and I just come here to tell you that man, if it happened to them, it can happen to us. And I believe this church is, is founded on Christ. That as we as a people and individuals and families and children and everyone who makes up this place that, man, I believe we love God, but in the process of doing everything that we do, in the busyness of life, may we hear the words of Jesus that we will not lose sight of our first love. The honeymoon phase is not just in your marriage. Anybody married in here, you know what I'm talking about. We by nature start to love things less with time. I remember when back in 2009, when we got our minivan, any minivan people in the house, let me see you loud and proud. Let me see you. That's what I'm talking about. All you other SUV people, so cool. We rocking the minivan, rolling six deep up in the minivan. I remember we got that thing. I love that minivan. And I thought that minivan was just awesome. My wife at the time loved that minivan. And, and man, it was cool. You push these buttons and the doors open. It's like magic. Children, come on in. Saddle up. We're going on a ride. And I, I loved it. But how do you know, as the years have gone by and the paint has fallen off, I don't love that minivan like I used to love that minivan. Things fade, things change, and love, listen to me, is a commitment. Some of you in here, you remember back when you, it was that dream job of yours. Oh man, if I get that dream job, I'm gonna love it for life. You get that dream job, and you love it for like two weeks. And everybody in the office is driving you crazy. Old Bill slurps his coffee too loud in the morning. Ugh. And your boss is getting on your nerves and just like, oh, the thing you used to treasure, now you no longer do. I was thinking about years ago, we got a dog. And I love dogs, so don't be hating on me. I love dogs, but this one, he he might as well have been called Legion (laughs) because there were many evil spirits in this guy. But this is when we first got Dobbs. My kids, they loved him. Let's throw up that picture of old Dobbs. Look at that. So cute. Matching PJs, Christmas tree. It was a dream come true. Dobbs was just so precious and sweet and just so cuddly. But much changed from this picture, show that next picture, to this picture. (laughs) Same dog. Much has changed. I could not let this dog outside. We have a fence. He would dig underneath the fence. He was unruly. He was reckless. He ate my entire house. I promise you, we would have people watch him because we'd go out of town and they would never watch him again. He ate our carpet. He ate our, literally our stairs, our baseboard, our window seals. He ate our furniture, our, our chair, my favorite chair he chewed up. We had, we went through 25 pairs of shoes that Jobs destroyed. 
How many of you know my love for Dobbs faded in time? God rest his soul. I know that's terrible, but it was sad when that happened. But I, it really was. I couldn't believe it. I cried. I couldn't believe it. I didn't even like you. It's one thing, hear me, it's one thing when our love for our vehicle fades. It's one thing when our love for our new house fades or your new job fades or for your pet fades. It's another thing when our love for God fades. And Jesus is saying, hey, in all of your success, in all of your favor, in all of your blessing, in all of your doing, you have lost sight of me. Verse four in the New Living Translation says this, but I have this complaint against you. I like the wording of this. You don't love me like you used to or each other as you first did. What has happened? It is faded. And I want you to understand for Jesus and for us, Christianity is about a relationship. It's not about religious duties. It's about connecting to the creator. It's about loving him and receiving his love in return. And one day this, this religious leader comes up to Jesus in Matthew 22 and, and the Bible says that he goes to Jesus to test him. How many of you know that's, that's a bad way to start? Going to test Jesus. And they used to argue and debate about the law and he comes up to Jesus and says, what's the greatest law? And without hesitation, Jesus replied, and this is a scripture, verse 37, Matthew 22, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus doesn't hesitate. He doesn't flinch. He doesn't say, man, that's a, that's a complex question. Let me ponder this for a while. Jesus knew the answer. It, everything begins and ends with love. But can I remind you today that whatever God treasures, the enemy always targets. And if God desires love to be preeminent, to be first, to be supreme, and love is sacrificial, it's not always easy. It's not always convenient. Sometimes it's difficult to love God and to love people because of things that you're going through and you're walking through. But Jesus says, you have to catch this. You have to love me more than anything. Love is about where your attention is set on, where your affection is driven to, what your focus is on and what your emotions are drawn to. I, it cracks me up. Like I'm with my kids all the time. And sometimes you're ready for them to leave the house. You know what I mean? Like school starts, you're like, praise him, be gone. And then you go to their school. I mean, your parents, you know what I'm talking about. And you've seen this. You go to the school and there's this like program that your kid's in. And then you, you got your phone out and, and they're just walking across the stage. You're not even saying anything. It's just one of these. Just walking across the stage. And, and you're just, your attention is locked into them. It's like you haven't seen them in months. I crack up all these parents. They're just like, oh, it's my baby. You just saw them. You were glad when they left this morning. Jesus is saying, I want you to fix your attention on me. What consumes you? Like really, what consumes you? 
Because the enemy will not do this, okay? He's not going to come to you and say, hey, stop loving Jesus. Stop it. He's not going to do that. But I promise you this, he'll bring other things in front of you. He'll say, hey, love this more. And even good things can become a bad thing. Even things that you should love, it can never take the place of God. There's two things that you got to watch out for, all of us. Is you got to watch out when it comes to your love. Success will mess you up if you allow it. This church was successful. In the midst of success, they lost sight. They once were headed in this direction, and then they start to lose sight of their first love. Second thing is that sin will mess you up. Sin is the most destructive force on this planet. Can I get a better amen? It's stronger than, than cancer, any nuclear weapon. Sin infiltrates and destroys everything. And the enemy will bring temptation in front of you and say, hey, get your attention off of him and onto this. But there's a few things, just two things I want to give you. As we talk about this thought of making room for God's love, two things, if you start to lose sight of your love for him, and all of us have seasons where we go through this, you, you have seasons where you're on fire for God and then somehow it starts to dwindle down. Two things to do. The first thing is remember God's love for you. Remember God's love for you. This sounds so simple and basic, but it is the most profound Reality and truth in the life of a believer. You have to remember that the God of the universe loves you. I love what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18. He says, and may you have the power to understand. I, I like those words. I highlighted them. The power to understand. The power to understand, it's all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Why does he say the power to understand? It's very important. Why does he say that? Because understanding and remembering God's love cannot be left up to human nature, your own ability. It's much more, hear me, than information. It has to be revelation in your life. I can stand up here at this service and like preach till my face is purple and like sweat and say, God loves you. And it won't change anyone. The only way it will change you if God gives you the power to begin to understand his love for you. I mean, really understand it. And you say, man, you don't, David, you don't, you don't know me. And I might not. You don't know the mistakes and the mess and all the choices I've made, but this is what I do know. God's love is greater than all of it. And he loves you. Whatever your name is, he loves you. I love that in the Lord's prayer that Jesus says, when you pray, you ought to pray like this, our Father who art in heaven. He doesn't say our magnificent creator. Our, our strong leader, our righteous judge, God is all those things. But in the heart of his hearts, he is father. What's father? It's relationship. It's intimacy. And maybe you didn't have a father who emulated him at all. And it's hard for you. Maybe you've never really even felt loved by other people before. And man, this thought of an all-powerful God who's called our father, him loving you. Just because it's hard to understand, 
But I pray even right now through the Holy Spirit, not me, but the Holy Spirit, that the Lord will start just to whisper to your heart, this is truth, this is real, and that revelation will change you. You know, I was watching The Lion King the other day. Any Lion King fans? Okay, good. Eight o'clock, didn't like Lion King. Not saved. So I was watching Lion King. My kids love it. That's our world. And I was watching it, and there's a part in it. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. There's a part in it where, where Simba has left the pride land. And Rafiki, everybody Rafiki? I know who you are. You're Mufasa's boy. Rafiki finds Simba. Correction, I know your father. Maybe you can't preach that good, but I can impersonate all day long. And, 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 and Simba has this vision of Mufasa. And Mufasa might not know it, but Mufasa started preaching. Disney might not know it, but Disney started preaching. Because Mufasa, man, y'all into this, I like it. Mufasa starts to speak to Simba and he says, Simba, you have left the Pride Lands. And then he says this, he says, you are my son. It's pretty good, I'll be honest, pretty good. And then he says these words, he says, remember who you are. <laughs> he said it not just, not just once. He doesn't say it once. And Simba's like, no. And he says, remember who you are. You say, what are you talking about? This is what I'm talking about. God would say to some of us today, remember who you are. Man, you are not just somebody walking around on planet Earth for a few years and then you're gone. Man, remember. You are a son of God. You're a daughter of the king. You are saved. You are forgiven. You are whole because of Jesus, and you are loved because of Jesus. Man, our God loves great. Come on, can you give him praise in this house this morning? Somebody needs to remember. Somebody needs to remember. I remember God. I know I've gone my own way, but I will not forget your love for me never fails. I remember as, as great as my sin is, greater is your grace and your love. I remember, remember who you are. I love this. First John 4, 19 says, we love him because he first loved us. What's that mean? God is the initiator of this. Sometimes we get this backwards and we think, oh, I've got to love God. No, no, no. He loves you first. We respond to that love. I told him last service, I remember when I asked my wife out on the first date on a basketball court, the most romantic place on earth. And I said, you want to go out? It was face to face. Back in old time days, y'all remember that? Face to face. Not Snapchat, not text, not email, not Twitter. Face to face. You're going to say no, you're saying it to this. Thank God she didn't. She said, yes, what was that? I, I initiated a relationship. God is the initiator of this relationship with you. It wasn't your novel idea. It wasn't your wisdom. It wasn't your works. It wasn't your good things. It was his enormous love for you. Remember his love for you. When you remember God's love, you know what happens? Man, you start to love him in return. 
This is what takes place. The things in your life that so bind you, if it's lust, if it's pride, if it's materialism, you start loving him, you'll start falling out of love with those things. You develop an appetite for him, you will dislike those things. We make it so much about stop doing this. But Jesus says, start doing this, and it changes everything. Second thing that happens is that fear starts to diminish. When you really walk in God's love for you, man's opinions start to fade. I, I was thinking in worship the second service, I didn't share this last service, but I was thinking, man, years ago, when I, when I would be asked to preach, man, I had so much fear on me. Dude, oh, God, so afraid. I would, I'd sleep like this through the night. I promise. Like I'd get here, I'd be like on 30 minutes of sleep. Bless God, love you. I was just, it was fear. You know what I was afraid of? This is vulnerable, I'm just being honest with you. I was afraid people wouldn't like me. I was afraid, this is kind of a vulnerable thing. It's whether you realize it or not, you're forming opinion of me right now. Like this guy, don't like this guy. Where's Pastor Mike, hurry back. You know, those, thank you, I love you, I love you, thank you. But seriously, like I, I feared that and I couldn't rest because of that fear. But I'm telling you what happened. I started getting more of a revelation of his love for me. And what happens with that, like I care, I really do. I don't wanna preach in a way you're like, man, that was, that was a dud. I don't wanna do that. But I, I'm less affected by people's responses because I know he loves me. It's not about performance with God. It's about position. That's the Holy Spirit right there. It's about being his son and I'm loved by him. It changes you. Final thing is this underneath this. Final thing is this. Is, is, as, you, as you encounter his love, man, you start to love yourself. You say, man, that sounds different. I'm not talking about a selfish love. I'm talking about loving yourself for who you are in him. What does Jesus say? He says, love your neighbor as yourself. How are we going to love other people if we can't love ourselves? The enemy does not want you to love you. And last weekend, Pastor Mike preached a great sermon on forgiveness. It was great. And we know we need to forgive other people, but can I tell you, sometimes the hardest person to forgive is the one you look at in the mirror every day. But when you remember his love for you and the vastness of it, then you are able to receive love and forgiveness even for yourself. Let me close with this. The final thing is this, is remember God's love for you. And the final thing is this, is remember to return to your first love. I'll be quick here. Return to your first love. Jesus says, repent. Everybody say repent. Repent, repent is the grace of God. That's grace. That I, my life could be heading in this direction. I'm still saved. But my life, I've lost sight. And I'm telling all of us go through this. I don't care how righteous you are. All of us go through this at seasons and times. But Jesus says, if you will remember, remember. And if you will repent, repent means to turn. If you will return to me, his grace will always some of you today, you need to repent. In fact, we need to get pretty good at repenting. Lord, I, I didn't make some good choices. 
Lord, I've been doing some things that I know aren't pleasing to you. And sometimes we know it, but sin is strong. Man, the the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, as long as you have this flesh on, it is a battle. Can I get a better amen this morning? But if we remember God's love for us and we return to him, he's always waiting. I thought about the story of the prodigal son. What a story. And a lot of you guys know it. But this son, he had left home. He had abandoned his father. He had rebelled. He'd gone to his own thing. He had lost sight. His love has faded. And one day it says that he came to his senses and he remembered his father's house. The Bible says that he got himself together and he started to head back home. And I love the depiction of the father in this story because it is a depiction of our heavenly father. I'm the prodigal. You're the prodigal. And the father is standing, waiting at the house. And the son starts to make his way home and he's walking. And you imagine all the thoughts going through his mind. Man, maybe dad's not going to receive me. Maybe dad's not going to love me. Maybe he's going to kick me out and say, hey, you're not welcome here. I mean, maybe he'll just make me a slave, he says. But the father does not do those things. The Bible says that he stands and the father sees him from a distance and the father takes off running. Run, Forrest, run. And he takes off, man, and there's some speed in it. And you just picture the son seeing his dad. This was undignified. Can I tell you, Jesus hanging on a cross was undignified but his love is that great. And he hung on a cross and what? Just like that father, his arms were stretched wide. Oh, I pray that God gives us the power to understand the height, the length, the width, and the depth of his love. What is that? It's the cross, the greatest sacrifice. And some of you today, God's saying, I want you to remember And I want you to repent. When you confess your sins, I am faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He is waiting. He is waiting. He is waiting. If the church in Ephesus could lose their first love, I can lose my first love. Lord, I pray that I will always love you. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit HealingPlaceChurch.org.